I don't have to like you. I can have an opinion and look at you now. I will watch your third periods because that's the only yes. period you're going to play hockey. But the first 40 <laughs> minutes, I don't care. Oh. Oh. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan, and I have to shake up the intros this week because honestly, I'm just lucky to be here. We have two people as my co-hosts who are putting out some of the best hockey content that there is in the world right now. Sarah Sivian putting out content, a neat, cool, not your normal interview with Matthew Kachuk and talking about the Florida Panthers and style rankings on like this in within 24 hours. What? And Shana Goldman is simultaneously covering NHL games, covering PWHL games, and writing about potential trade targets for Trevor Zegras, all while dealing with internet trolls. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm of the caliber of these two amazing people Sarah Sibby, you went through the blizzards and snow-covered streets <laughs> to make it to our show today. How the hell are you? Yeah, the sleet will get you in Boston. That's how they get you. It's cold as hell today, but my heart is warm. Thank you to <laughs> Allison's little warm-up for us. And don't ever sell yourself short. You are the blueprint, and you are doing incredible work on the Kraken broadcast and office. Hell yeah, and, you are. And Shayna, say hi. 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 We're so happy you're here. Is there I'm snow so with you and sleet with here or just dogs and cute little coats with fur collars? We have a little snow and it was fun because it was Mika's first snow. So she didn't know what to do and she was like scared to walk through it. But today is fucking freezing. So it is like frozen solid ground. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. We that love sucks. the winter. It's okay. I want more of it. Bring it on. Well, here we're just hoping it doesn't get below freezing because if it does, Seattle like shuts down, doesn't know what to do with itself. It's amazing. But anyway... Let's get on with it. We 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 have a tool for intro in transit. We're not actually sure where it is. We have a little bit of concern now because it was supposed to be part of our show by now, but we're working on it. So absent of our true intro that we want to have, Sarah Sivian, what time is it? Bit of news. I beatboxed a little bit. It can lay drum at all. It was as quiet as could be. Yeah, then we literally, and you picked up the cord that doesn't have the mic on it too, which is even oh, funnier. God. In shambles. <laughs> Time for bit of news. Bit of news. Let's go. Well, <laughs> we hinted at some possible moves that might be going on in Anaheim, but those moves are going to have to wait because on last week, almost last week, actually, um, some injuries hitting some of their stars. And most notably, Trevor Zegras is going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken ankle. That sucks. Shayna, this is a player that you were already looking at for other reasons. Walk us through the impacts to a couple Ducks stars and, and what this means both for the players and the team. Well, it means for the team, they're going to be worse without Zegras on the ice. And Mintikov, who has been such a bright spot on their blue line. We love him. But it's like big picture. It's more time for Leo Carlson at center. He's back. He's healthy. He played back-to-back -back games for the first time this year. So we'll see how their load management works with him and how he fares playing more that you have to imagine like is going to happen now. But the big picture is, does this impact the Trevor Zegers trade, which is now being talked about? And it's a good question to have because if you're talking about a 22-year-old, a six to eight week injury timeline is honestly meaningless right it's a good chance for the ducks to see what they have without him especially down the middle with carlson and mctavish and then on the flip side you know it's a good way for him to kind of reset because it hasn't been the best season even though i think it's below the surface has been better than last year so it's just kind of like all interesting like how are they going to manage because you know the on ice product is going to be bad i want to see what they do with greg cronin like is this going to be different from last year when they were bad everything went to shit or how do they navigate it to kind of keep things positive and keep pushing for comebacks like they had against Florida the other day? Sarah, I think it's crazy for people who, you know, remember when Trevor Zegras kind of broke onto the scene and he had personality and he had talent. And now this is a player that may be moving locations. Uh, what is your take on the idea to trade this player out of Anaheim? I know. God, he's had a hell of a year. His best friend gets traded, Jamie Drysdale. He hasn't there's so much hype around the Ducks now with the younger players, and he hasn't really factored into that. 
And then when he's starting to kind of take off a little bit, he gets hurt. It just really, really sucks. I feel for him. I like his personality in the game. Um, I think a change of scenery could really, really benefit him. It just feels like all he's ever known is kind of this duck situation. And it feels like one of those things you'd look back on in five years and say, oh, this really worked out for both teams. And I mean, they're going to be trading him low. So let's see like what they can get for him. But I don't know. I'm really intrigued and I really, really want to see him succeed. All right. I'll ask each of you really quickly. Shayna, is Trevor Zegras an Anaheim Duck next season? Yes or no? I can say, say yes or no. I'm going to say no. I feel like Verbeek's going to ah, put a stamp on the team. More. I said you can only say oh, yes or no. Only say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to go bold. Yes. Oh, excellent. What do you we think? I honestly don't know. I think with so much change there, it just, it does blow my mind because he was going to be something special, but here we are, we thought, but maybe he'll be special somewhere he, else. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, you don't think he, I feel like he can still I see special. what you're doing. This is what you're doing. I gave you one word to answer and now no, you're making I it so that you, you can keep talking to about talk this. more. I, like, I feel like you always ask us the questions and it's like, wait, I'm the have... host. Yes. But you're also like the smartest person in the world. So we need no. your opinion on things. Well. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll get, I, there's some here that I have intel, intel on, so we'll do that. Uh, okay. Let's stick with our injury news as well. And this came out kind of, I think it actually was a big shock to people, but there was so much hockey yesterday that it got lost in the fray. And that is that Jack Eichel is now out week to week after successful lower body surgery. And he, why are you laughing? I'm sorry. Lower body surgery just gets me. Like, I'm just sorry. Like if a red man chopping him off. <laughs> if a player's having surgery, can we just say what body part it's on? Like, I get it if they're out for like two days and it's like upper body injury. We don't want to give you a hint, but like they have surgery. Can we know? Can we no, because then it'll get target. Although, you know, this is all, that's a whole nother topic that we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but again, he is considered week to week. This is obviously a big time part of Vegas that has had a slew of injuries in recent history. Jack Eichel was their leading scorer. And in the game, if I'm not incorrect, the game where he got injured, he did come back, but then he has been out since. I think he left again, though. Did he okay. finish the game or did he leave a second time? I really it don't felt remember. like he left a second time, but I don't know. That would make sense. Uh, Sarah. Does this surprise you? Are you worried now about Vegas with so many players getting injured and they've kind of hit a lull in their performance of late? I mean, kind of a good time to get, not that there's any good time to get injured, but it's before the playoffs. You can be week to week. You can comfortably come back, get into a groove during the playoff run. And I feel like they kind of need to come to Jesus moment. I mean, they started off so red hot and we know the team and what they're capable of then they're kind of up and down ever since the new year, pretty bad. So it's just, it's a regroup moment and it's time for people who aren't named Jack Eichel or goaltenders to step up. Shayna Vegas to Sarah's point, they've won one game in their last 10, they're four, six oh. and zero. Oh. They've, they've come to second now in the Pacific, uh, still behind Vancouver, behind Vancouver by seven points with the same number of games played is Vegas going to be able to ride out this storm? Because, you know, again, if you have had surgery, particularly on the lower body, as everybody knows, as a skater, you can't even keep your cardio necessarily up to where it needs to be. And so coming back can be a little bit more rough. Yeah, I feel like they're okay. And I think the Kings recent slide is what's going to help them stay okay. And so many Central Division teams sucking also is going to help them out because that wild card, I feel like, is up for the taking if they were to slide out and it feels like Edmonton is like right there to take a spot. But I feel like when the goaltenders get healthy, they'll be more. Okay. I feel like with Aiden Hill potentially returning soon, and there's been so much like mystery around his status. I think that will help them deal with the Eichel injury and the Shea Theodore injury, which I think is maybe the one that's hurt them the most. Something to watch for sure. It's a, uh... Interesting. I mean, Jack has his cup, which is what he wanted. That's why he left Buffalo, among mm -hmm. other reasons. But here we are. Um, there's another player who is not going to be on the ice for a while, but this is for other reasons. And that is the Colorado Avalanche, Val Nishushkin. 
Um, he is, it was announced on the 15th, so two days ago, as we record this, that he's going to be receiving care from the player assistance program. Um, no details were shared, as is the case with these scenarios. Um, but that's a big blow to the team on the ice. But obviously, first and foremost, we we wish the player a full and complete return to health in all facets of his life because um, he's taking the steps to hopefully be um, complete and feel good about where he's at. Sarah, did this news take you by surprise? There were some rumors that there were maybe some substance uh, challenges related to the incident that happened in Seattle during last year's playoffs um, that had him removed from the team at that time, it was deemed a personal matter. Um, but what are your worries for both the team on the ice, but also more importantly, the player himself? No. Yeah. I, we saw the rumors and all the reports in the off season or whenever it was. And the first thought that I had when this news came out was just kind of like how many players are openly utilizing the, um, player assistance program, which I think is huge, no matter if he's a good guy or not, or whatever ended up happening or whatever the reason he's in the program. I'm glad that the program exists and people are using it. And it seems to be a helpful resource that people are openly talking about. So I don't know about his situation. And I just think it's great as a whole, everybody's using the program. What, who was it who came out and said that his experience with player assistance was awful? Um, Scott Darling, who Scott Darling, yes. Do we? I mean, <laughs> how do we? How do we factor that? I really don't know. How do we factor that story into? Because I'm with you. I want a player to take advantage of a benefit if they can to get healthy. But you know, around mm -hmm. this kind of a situation, and you know, there's always been talk. And if you read books like Boy on Ice and about players who've dealt with CTE and and maybe some of the questions around care when a team has multiple competing interests in terms of just getting a player back on the ice, do we, with respect to Scott Darling, take him at his word and hope the program is better? Or do we think that maybe he had a one-off unfortunate experience? I believe Scott. I think that was a few years ago. And he was also bumping up and down from the NHL to the minors. He hated Raleigh. I mean, kind of during the club. Like, I don't, hate, I don't hate him for that. But there's a lot going on with him he's like trying to be a comedian I don't know he's like saying a lot of stuff recently so I don't think he would just say something like this to try to make waves but at the same time he's got a big personality and I'm glad that he has called attention to this I do think we should hear other people out and I think there's been great strides in mental health in general in the past five years so I think with that as a society also comes like for the NHLPA so I mean, who knows? I guess we got to ask the active players. Shana, again, we don't want to be insensitive to, again, first and foremost, we want Nishushkin to be healthy and we want him to recover and take as much time as he needs to get to that place. But what will the impact be to the Avalanche? This is obviously a big dynamic piece to their offense when it's at its best. Yeah, I like, like Sarah said, like we hope for the best, the program's better if someone had one off and I, it, it wouldn't even be surprising if like everyone's experience isn't the same, right? Like you can't expect it to be, but hopefully if that were the case for him, that that's something that can be worked on. So it is a more beneficial experience to everyone. And it seems like in recent years, it has been to guys like Connor Ingram and Sam Gerrard. Um, but on the ice, this is a really tricky one for Colorado because I think it finally felt like maybe things were turning around for them and they've been leaning on their stars a lot. And now's the time of year that you can, you don't want to be doing this in March and April because you want to keep them fresh for the playoffs. And obviously they have hopes of going deep and you're going to see McCarr and McKinnon and Ranton and playing a shit ton of minutes then. So you can get away with this now, but it felt like with Nutrushkin and now Lekin in returning, like, okay, maybe there's some hope to lean off them and also bounce out some of their middle six center issues because that's still not an area of strength. That then you see the potential return of Gabriel Landeskog for the playoffs. Like things felt okay. And now you have this. So you're like, okay, that's one problem to deal with, plus the goaltending situation to deal with. It's not going to be easy in Colorado as much as they've been winning games. You kind of see them go to a deficit and have to come back. So I wonder how that changes without someone that's been a huge part of their scoring lately and is so good defensively it's going to be interesting to watch we obviously know that Colorado was dealing with quite a few injuries in last year's playoffs but it was after uh, Nishushkin left that it I felt like that was a big piece of allowing Seattle to really take control 
of that series on the ice and ultimately win. Oh, did I remind everyone of that again? Yes, that is true. One that of the happens. best series of the playoffs last year too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to some off ice news. Um, Boston's Jeremy Swayman was named as an all-star this year. Congratulations to him. And when asked about it, and I'm reading the reporting of Scott McLaughlin, he said um, he brought up his arbitration case as part of his answer. Quote, after dealing with what I did this summer with arbitration, hearing things that a player should never hear, it feels pretty special to be in this situation. And, and we hear this all the time. We hear about if you actually go to arbitration, it's usually going to damage the relationship in perpetuity. Most players who go to arbitration leave that team in a short number of years after that existing contract that was negotiated in arbitration because the team will drag out every negative aspect of your game they can to get the price low and the agent will drag out every positive aspect of your game to get the contract high. But it it sounds like this goes to a place that is almost not even, I don't know if unfair is the right word, but pretty damn awful. Sarah, this happens in your backyard there in Boston. What is your take on if this player is going to be able to sustain where he is given that he went through a pretty nasty ARB case? First of all, I think it was fucking awesome that he said this, got a shutout. And then per our guy, Dim with the PDO cast said, Dim said that 11.4% of his games have been shutouts. Mm. So yes, say that, say, talk your shit. Like, honestly, that is an incredible feat he's I see why he didn't get enough reps before like you have Linus Allmark it's the situation you're in it's not his fault he wasn't playing it's like two potential Vesno winners like battling in your net which is a great problem to have they Emily Kaplan wrote a wonderful story and a video component of it I won't get that twisted about their relationship and it's beautiful and like nobody's mad about that but at the same time it must be super frustrating. You're in the prime of your career and like, you know, you could get paid somewhere else. I love that he said it. And you just have to think about negotiations you've had in your own life. Like these are humans and they have an expiration date of when they can play. And especially a goaltender, it's like something that's so high pressure and high stakes and like fickle. And think about times where you weren't getting paid enough and they're like, oh, the company, oh, the company. It's like, you're a good sport until... You're kind of popping off like he does deserve not to be like even like even the mental aspect of not it's one thing to like get paid x amount it's another thing to be here's all the reasons you shouldn't get paid and you still are performing and you know it's like a court of law type situation where they have to say that stuff and list it all out to get you paid less but at the same time like it hurts to hear shane i think if you said to the average hockey fan Boston doesn't have a goaltending problem in terms of performance. Everyone would agree with you. And then this player has to go through arbitration. What was your reaction to him again, reaffirming just how nasty this process is? I think it's a good thing that this process, like it should be known what this process entails. I feel like everyone is so quick to be like a player doesn't deserve X or get mad if a player doesn't play up to their contract and forget like, this is what the team handed them. And they also forget just how short an NHL player's career is. As much as you might be like, hey, you're making millions of dollars, I don't pity you. It's a short career and you need to do what you can to maximize your money. And when you play as well as Swayman has, like he deserves it. I just hate for the players to go through that. I don't think it's a good process for the teams too. I feel like teams act like they wield so much power with restrictive free agents and it shows how fucked up the system is that it's so tilted towards the teams. And it honestly burns the teams too because of when players actually hit unrestricted free agency. But if you're in Boston shoes, as much as I understand there was pressure to lower your cap as much as possible, like they were in a bind. This is a player who you need to be looking at the big picture and you want him to be your future. Like if they're smart this summer, they find a way to maximize Olmark's trade value and run with Swayman with a big contract because they're going to need the money elsewhere. And that is your younger goalie. You don't want to sour relations. And we know that's that's what happens so often. And everybody, it's a known fucking fact in the NHL. If you go to arbitration, you will probably destroy relations with those players. So I just don't get why teams don't take that you know, in stride a little bit more. And honestly, more opposing GMs should be trying to weaponize that, knowing like, hey, they might have screwed up with Jeremy Swayman. Maybe we can send an offer sheet his way because the Bruins might not afford to match it. And there's already bad relations there that he might be more willing to sign here. Let's play the same game again. In two seasons, Sarah, is Jeremy Swayman still a Bruin? 
Yes or no answers only. Yes. Shana? Yes. What do you All think? Right. All right. That's interesting. You, we I, need you to be the tiebreaker. Yeah, we need your take. I, I agree. I think yes. I think it's I think it's too <laughs> important of a position and the team will will keep him around because you, we're seeing across the league how much goaltending can push or pull you out of where you want to be in the standings. So Wait, I, I think thought yes. goaltending didn't matter after last year's Stanley Cup. Hmm. Well, <laughs> speaking of goaltending, we have some goaltender controversy brewing in Columbus because the C and CBJ stands for controversy, apparently. <laughs> um, Elvis Merzlikens, uh, who was a well-coveted goaltender coming out of Latvia, um, who has kind of had an up and down relationship with the organization and has certainly had to deal with a crap ton of adversity was, uh, depending on who you listen to, placed in third in the rotation. They are currently carrying three goaltenders um, on the Blue Jackets roster and was not playing for quite some time. And after finally getting back in to the net and winning in a shootout, uh, he did confirm in the locker room that he had requested a trade. However, um, and always read the writing of Aaron Portsline. He is the definitive go-to when it comes to all things Columbus. Um, in his most recent article, the agent for Elvis Merzlikens clarifying that that was a misspeak. So we're still not really sure. But what we do know is that the relationship between Elvis Merzlikens and the organization seems to be fractured. And it would certainly seem that after some of the shit he's had to go through off the ice, uh, you'll recall his best friend literally dying in his arms on the 4th of July at his goaltender's coach's house during his goaltender coach's daughter's wedding, um, that maybe a change of scenery is best. Uh, Shana, you talked about goaltending. Should Elvis move teams? What do you make of the situation? Where do you think he should end up? Who needs him the most if he's a viable solution? I think he's a viable solution. I think he really deserves a, a fresh slate. I think he's earned a fresh slate. Like the turnaround, this isn't a goalie going through some horrible season, you know, requesting or not, whatever it is. I feel like his his game has finally turned around and he's still playing on a very bad team while this is going on. We have barely seen him on a good team. We did in the beginning and like there was reason, there was hope there. But like, I feel like he can't be the game-changing goaltender he's not that caliber and that's totally okay right like not everybody is it's so rare but I think he's still a good 1A I get the contract is a little pricey but I think a team should want him um my guess would be maybe a team like New Jersey goes for him and I wonder if they can somehow get some salary retention there because it feels like they're a team that needs the help in that they they have some situation there Vitek Vanacek um so a good 1A would be ideal for them with, and he's someone that can like manage chaos. They know, and they have a much better system than Columbus that I think he would be in a position to succeed there. It's just that cap hit is obviously going to be a little tricky for a lot of teams to take on. Sarah, again, we are not in Columbus on a daily basis. And I know that there has been some frustration with the player, both on and off the ice. He certainly isn't one that shies away from saying what he thinks and uh, talking about what he thinks about his teammates and what's going on around him. What's your take on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, again, we have another goaltender kind of saying stuff and you get squeezed into these situations. It's the league's fault for the cap. Like the cap is just, it's where it all comes back. Like people want more money. People want to be in better situations and inflation. Like I'll go off on this any day of the week, but it comes back to like, there's no choice but to make this kind of like a labor war in the public when there are so many players getting kind of fucked over. I don't know if Elvis is the best goaltender in the world right now. I do think it's fair to request a trade at any time for any reason. Like it's in your rights and it doesn't mean he doesn't appreciate being in the NHL. There are certain things we're never going to know about this situation. I trust that he wants to do what's best for his family and his journey. It doesn't mean that I think he is outplaying the Blue Jackets right now. I don't think he's as bad as the Blue Jackets are right now, but I think he clearly wants out. So maybe they should let him go and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to Shana's point. It's going to be an issue with the with the big cap hit that his contract yeah. does carry. But it seems like um, he might need a change of scenery and it's 
it's all very interesting to watch. Again, we talk about how hockey players are so bland and then you have someone who speaks their mind and shares what they think and everyone is all up in arms and he's having one of the best seasons of his career actually and people are still pissed. But I I also get that people in Columbus have a lot that they're pissed about and there's going to be some collateral damage. You'll, people will also remember, and there was a lot of talk around this, was it tied to the fact that um, Elvis did go after Tom Wilson, which I mean- Again, we get it, but in a game that the team would ultimately go on to lose in overtime, uh, partially you could presume because the power play was a result of Elvis's penalty on going after Tom Wilson. So if but you're not having, go ahead. Come on. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I get you're it. You're not I... having a good relationship with your team. The The supposition yeah. is if you're impacting your team's performance and or if you're not having a good relationship with your teammates, how effective can you be? all of that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, that's a logical way. I just like, I look at that situation. It's like, I can see why he'd be frustrated. I feel like sometimes you see goalies when they're on a bad team, try to do too much. And that was too much for him to do. Like, leave it to someone else. You're a little too important to take a penalty. Um, and obviously get frustrated and get taken out of the zone. when we know like the focus it takes to be a goaltender, but I don't know. I just like, I kind of understood why I boiled over there, but that's, Turn it to you, Allison. Do you think Elvis is a Columbus Blue Jacket by the start of next season? No. Bold. Love it. That's what I think. All right. We have a couple more bits of news. Um, and this whole situation is always murky at best, but just wanted to share some breaking news as we record um, came out earlier today. And that is that it looks like Amazon is going to come in to invest in Diamond Sports as part of the bankruptcy deal. And the net net for our listeners is that this presumably means that there will continue to be uh access to broadcasts for teams that were with the Diamond Network, which was also sometimes in part with the Bally's Network. Uh, Diamond kind of partnered with a bunch of different networks and also carried some teams' shows completely. So we believe this is going to be a positive, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see who upholds or pushes up the caliber of these local broadcasts. Even before I was on TV, I've always said, the local voices should be the most heralded and should be celebrated and paid attention to. And if a lot of these local shows start cutting coverage or changing the way they do things, I think we're going to lose a lot of the depth of the storytelling that is what makes people fall in love with the game above and beyond the X's and O's and the wins and losses. So we will keep our eye on that. But another situation that's coming up away from NHL hockey is that once again, and I always bring a little bit of skepticism to these kinds of announcements. Y'all are sick of me bringing that, but the NHL and the PWHL have announced rosters for the Canadian tire PWHL three on three showcase that will take place during the all-star game weekend. This will be on Thursday in Toronto. Tickets are available for purchase. Of course, when I asked Shane about this, she knew the first thing I was going to say, and she said, no, we don't know if they're getting paid. Um, because that was exactly the first thing I wanted to know. But Sarah, what is your reaction to the rosters? Again, having the women profiled, highlighted as part of the all-star festivities. Is the NHL doing enough? Are we crossing that bridge past tokenism or is there still more work to do? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's impossible to not kind of have some tokenism when you're doing something like this. And you know what? That's okay. Like this is a gimmicky event and you can have some gimmicks, including women like, yay, we can all be gimmicky together. But I think it's a good, it's good that it's in Toronto because then people that are fans of the Leafs maybe can see, oh, there's PWHL Toronto. Why don't I go to one of these games? Because these women are fucking awesome. So I think it's going to be like a crazy hockey event in like, the dead cold of the winter in Toronto. And I think it's pretty good exposure for a team that is based in the city. Shana, our hockey expert in all things, including the women's game, what do you make of the fact that this is, this is what now the fourth year that women have been featured as part? It's maybe more, I can't remember. Time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> but what do you make of this? Is it is it a good progression, um, even if we are still waiting to hear if they will be compensated for their time? Okay, just skimmed it quick because I was not sure. They are being compensated. Hey! That is true. But we don't know for how much because in mm -hmm. the CBA- One dollar. 
Well, <laughs> who's to say, honestly, it's, it's that this is a, the NHL all-star event. Right. So it's not in the CBA, like the PWHL all-star event will be. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit different. So hopefully it's something good. The NHL has deep pockets. Hopefully they're the ones paying for it, but I, that I don't know who, who is compensating how much, hopefully it is worth the player's time, money, effort, and everything. But, um, I, th- I mean, it's a good thing, right? It, it's, it's a good platform to have. You're the NHL. You have all the dollars in the world. You, well, for hockey, I should say, not for major leagues. But, like, you have the dollars. You have the accessible ways to present your game. You're going to be in the center of the universe. And everybody watches hockey in the center of the universe. There's a good way to elevate the women here. So, hopefully, it's done in a nice way. Because there's a team in Toronto. There's teams happening. There's no bullshit of, we don't know how to explain them. And we don't know where to, like... It is so simple. So they can do a lot of good here. Just getting the casual hockey fan who's watching this, hopefully it's available for all to see, to say, hey, by the way, these are PWHL players and you can watch them on YouTube or on Sportsnet or CBC or TSN because they have a bunch of options there. Like, it's super easy. So it's it's not a bad thing, right? Just to see more players playing. Like, is it tokenism? Yeah. But is it a way to help them and elevate them? Yeah, why not? Fantastic. Well... There is a women's team in Toronto. There's also another hockey team in Toronto that we have to pay attention to. Shayna, what time is it? How does it affect the Leafs? So the Leafs <laughs> are in an interesting situation. Their goaltenders are broken. Um, they have Martin Jones starting. And also, I'm going to stand up and defend Martin Jones. Everyone's like, oh, he's he was terrible last year. He was not terrible last year. He actually came in and helped save the Kraken season. I just feel like, as all of us, as he is older... He can't necessarily have enough gas in the tank to play an entire season as a starter, but he was the goaltender during the Kraken's eight game win streak last year. That was so massive and exciting. So don't shit on Martin Jones people, but anyway, he's their starting goaltender right now. They roll into Edmonton last night. And as the broadcast is talking about how Toronto is going into the third with a lead and they lose so many leads in the third and lose the game. Guess what? It happened again. Here we are. The Leafs have lost three times straight in regulation. The city of Toronto is crumbling to the floor. However, the Leafs still are in a playoff uh, situation. They are third in the Atlantic, and they have games in hand against the two teams that are chasing in the wild card race. There's been a lot of discourse. There's been some cherry-picked quotes from Mitch Marner post-game last night. Sarah, are you concerned about the Leafs or are the Leafs going to continue to be able to use the talent that they have to be a very good playoff team? It's just another case of all Leafs fans, all Leafs media, and all of like everybody in the hockey world getting so caught up in maybe the expenses of the core four that you're blaming them, you're making them say the perfect thing. And it's like, they are not to blame for what is happening right now. They are... Showing up, Austin Matthews is having one of the best seasons of his career. Nylander is having one of the best seasons of his career. Like, they they are fine. It is the rest of the roster, and, like, they're expected to answer for the roster. Of course, that kind of comes with the paycheck. It comes with being a star in Toronto. But it's like, I saw the quote from Marner where everyone's mad that he's not more mad. I'm like, what? why do you want him to be mad? Like, do you do your best job when you feel really frustrated? A lot of the times, no. And why do you, like, I don't know. They've been such a good regular season team so many years. And where did it get them? Maybe they do need a little kick in the ass right now. And then again, you have the goalies. Like, I don't know who expected them to be an elite team with the current goaltending situation. Shayna? We think the forward group is fine as long as they stay healthy. Martin Jones can be a good stopgap. What is the state of the Leafs and how much is the local media perhaps blowing things out of proportion? The Leafs are actually doing everybody a service because there were so many complaints the other day that they're not winning enough in regulation. So they were like, don't worry, guys, we're going to lose three straight in regulation to balance it out. They did this for us. So thank you, Leafs. Thank Thank you, you. Leafs. Um, (laughs) um no it's it's everything with the Leafs is always blown out of proportion right and like there's the things that get blown out of proportion I feel like are never the right things like earlier this season 
right? Like earlier this season, it's like, it was about their depth in Klingberg, which was like, okay, you you have a point because they were so bad. But it all came back to like, well, they had to go for those players because their core is so expensive. Like, no, management just spent poorly on their depth players, which they can't afford to do. And that's going to have to like keep being the conversation. That defense is so flawed. And like some guys have stepped up, like Benoit, I feel like has been really good in a role that no one would have expect, expected him to be. It was a huge glow up from last year. But like at the end of the day, They've been doing what they can to not spend and not make a player move yet, just so everyone can get healthy and you can figure it out from there. But I feel like that is going to be a problem. And I don't know if this front office has that creativity to do what they need to on such a budget. Like it's a tough situation because Sam Sonoff has fallen apart and that is cap space that they can't afford to just bury. But, but guess what? That's your situation. Now you have to do something with it. I feel like the blame just gets shoved to the wrong players and like people are nitpicking a Mitch Marner quote when it's like if you want to talk about Mitch Marner there's a conversation to have but it's not about accountability maybe that his team's like that he's scoring empty calorie points more often than last year or that the team's defense as a whole is terrible and he's contributing to that like that's what you should be talking about instead of they don't care enough like are do you do you just need need something to write about you want the drama you have enough of it like down to the empty net goal last night. It was dramatic. We don't. You don't have to manufacture it. It's there. It exists. It's a part of being a leaf. <laughs> oh my! Yes, it was entertaining. Well, speaking of that game last night, the team that beat them is the surging Edmonton Oilers. There were four teams in the hunt for some of the longest win streaks that we have seen. Uh, Seattle's came to an end after nine. I can't remember the other two teams at this moment, but we don't care because we're going to be pro Seattle and unfortunately talk about pro Edmonton, who in beating the Leafs on Tuesday have extended their win streak to 11. I do seem to recall that the new record would require a win streak of 17 games, but Edmonton is at 11 right now. And they are currently in a playoff spot. They are surging. And interestingly, um, in terms of gameplay since December 20th, Edmonton has the fourth best goals saved above expectations in the league. So this may not be Connor McDavid saving the Oilers. This might be goaltending. What do we think about the Oilers Oilersing, Sarah? Well, we already knew Connor McDavid and the second highest scorer typically in the league, the first and the second, couldn't save this fucking team. They did everything they could years and years. We know not even them can save the team. It needed to be a goaltender. It needed to be help on defense. Like, there we go. It's finally happening. Sheena, what do you think? It's. It's a little bit of everything saving the team right now. It's a healthy Connor McDavid looks like Connor McDavid, and he is like willing his team forward in his shifts. He is playing at such an incredible level, which is so it's, it's, I think the league's league is better when he's at that level. It's more interesting. And then you have Leon Dreisaitl who can still score at sharp angles. Leon Dreisaitl, my bestie Leon, bestie Leon. I'm never calling him by his last name again. Bestie. Bestie Leon only scoring from a sharp angle last night with his backhand like okay go off but it's nice to see it feels like Knobloch has done a really good job I think part of it too is like I I think he came in with such a fresh slate like yes he knows McDavid but it's not like he was with their AHL it's not like he knows their system like he came in and was like okay let's look at this with like totally fresh eyes and see what needs to be done and I feel like it's the defense you're not seeing as many huge gaffes and mistakes like we were seeing before and the goaltending can be a lot more confident because they're not being exposed in those like huge, horrible scoring chances against. All the while, the offense is clicking. Like Zach Hyman has been incredible. And now you have your two starting players playing at the level you expect them to. It's It definitely feels like it's a little bit of everything. Do they, should they still want more certainty in net behind Skinner besides Calvin Pickard? Like probably, you know, there's not a lot of cap space for them to get better, but this is, something really good because they're playing well. It's not like they're just like streaking and we're seeing them like score a shit ton. And it's like, well, below the surface, they got complacent. Like, it feels like they're not taking this opportunity for granted to bounce back from their bad start. That Hyman's actually been sick. I was, uh, I was looking up. 
I was no, going to say, bestie of the pod, Zach Hyman. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> Come on. He's been sick. I was looking up advanced analytics the other day because I was writing a story about the Panthers and he was just at the forefront of every advanced analytic. Like the Corsi numbers are off the charts with him. So you know what? Maybe he should go to the All-Star game. He should. They're dominating, absolutely mm. dominating play when, in his minutes. And he's like, Seriously. I feel like that contract got talked about a lot because it was like, well, the Leafs couldn't afford it, right? Because it comes back to the Leafs. The Leafs couldn't afford it. And you can't give a supporting God. player that kind of term. And while that can be true, when you're Zach Hyman and you are like legitimately the most like elite kind of supporting player, you don't just keep up with the stars. You actually compliment them with your two-way game. Like that's valuable. And now he has the finishing luck that he didn't have last year. Like, I think it was in like the whole calendar year 2022. He was like 14 goals below expected on his forehand. And then with his backhand, he had like eight goals above expected. And you're like, what the fuck is happening here? And now everything's just like coming together. Like we love that for him. Mm -hmm. Well, the Edmonton Oilers certainly have a chance to make up some ground because while they are sitting currently in the first wildcard spot in the West, they have games in hand, and the team in front of them can't seem to win if their life depended on it. The LA Kings have one win in their last 10 games. The juggernaut, the juggernaut on the road has seemingly fallen apart. Pierre-Luc Dubois sometimes playing way down in the lineup. Sarah, what's wrong with the Kings? Oh my God, I was looking them up too, because what the hell? They were off to such a good start. And then it just like really, really fell apart. There's been some insane streaks in the NHL, like win or lose this season. And I think that's interesting, but God, there's been brutal overtime losses. It's been just kind of a brutal stretch all around. Dubois, unfortunately, just really is not living up to the contract. And then you see the Jets kind of having the season they're having, and it just like is not looking not a great look uh drew dowdy is playing almost 30 minutes per game that is insane so just wanted to point that out i don't really i don't really know what that means but like that probably means they need some fucking help well the kings right the ship shana what's wrong with them i think it's their defense which you wouldn't expect for a team that we know like is so well built defensively like up front and on the blue line like they have it all but you could see like they went from being one of the best rush teams against to one of the teams that allows so many more scoring chances in transition right now. And that like that game against Tampa Bay where they were up to nothing, it came down to two goals scored in transition against them to tie it, force overtime, and then they lost the game. I don't I think before the last two games, that's been the biggest problem. And then the last two games, the goaltending, you know, Cam Talbot's last two starts have been terrible, which can happen right it's a 36 year old goalie we've been asking it all year how can he keep up this level I'm not saying like now he's done because he had two bad games but like he isn't getting enough support so he's doing what he can to keep his team in it when he doesn't have the support really on either end of the ice like you're asking for a lot from someone who is getting used a, a lot <laughs> a lot more than he probably should at this age and two you don't have that certainty of how it'll be in the second half like it's not their fault that Phoenix Copley got hurt and that is on long-term IR, like that was something you couldn't predict happening, but they left themselves so little wiggle room to deal with their goalie situation because there's there's no cap. They It is their cheapest position because they spent so much everywhere else. So every bad, every decision that they made, it's going to, you're going to keep looking back at that Dubois contract going, did you need to pay him that much? Because he's the sore thumb that has been consistently bad all year. Woof. Well, speaking of goaltenders that used to be in L.A., let's give a little love back to the East and finish this hockey talk up with some discussion about the Metro. As we record on Wednesday, there is chaos consistently, chaos everywhere, it seems. <laughs> right now, the top three teams in the Metro are the Rangers, the Flyers, obviously, and the Carolina Hurricanes, but the Islanders have been falling down the standings. The Rangers have lost a lot of their standings points, margin of advantage they had flyers four game win streak kane seven two and one in the last 10 devils six three and one pittsburgh six two and two briefly sarah if you had to predict how the metro is going to finish let's go just top five how are you ordering the teams rangers hurricanes um oh god it's like <laughs> this was so hard from the start rangers hurricanes Penguins. I think Sidney Crosby Ooh. is kind of 
kind of on fire right now. Um, Devils, Flyers. Shayna? Yeah, I actually fully agree with that order. I'm back and forth on the Canes and Rangers. I could see them kind of shuffling back and forth, even though the Rangers still have that four-point lead on them right now. Um, But five-point lead, sorry. I feel like the Flyers selling is what's going to lower them in the standings. And you can kind of see below the surface, like they're starting to lower a little bit. Like they're still winning games. And Travis Konechny is like doing it all on Owen Tippett's thriving. Like you, you love to see it, right? But it does feel like they're sticking to the plan and that's what's going to happen. And then they'll still be okay. And like, who knows? They could still get a wild card seed because like the Atlantic, it's not like there's teams that are overwhelming there that like they're going to mm-hmm. dominate the playoffs. But the way the Penguins are surging at five on five, I think is what's going to move them up to third right now. Like, I feel like they have that if they can just figure out their fucking power play i don't understand why it's broken i don't think they understand why it's broken they have too many good players for it to look like that the team that is like the wild card for me is probably the devils because they have a million injuries like they're getting healthier with timo meyer returning and then it's like well now brendan smith's hurt and he's been a good penalty killer even though he's not great at five and five and you don't have many options to replace him and your goaltending sucks so like nico dawes has been great but if you want him to play every game like it's not gonna work so i feel like it's just such a mess right now, and it makes it interesting. It will be interesting, and I'm speaking What's as your a take? well. <clears throat> I I actually have not watched enough Metro hockey to be honest with you. But as you were talking, and granted, this is recency bias. I have a new request. I think that when you list a player's stats, empty net goals should be a separate category. I agree with you. I agree That's... with you a billion percent. Look at Ovechkin's numbers. Like he had five goals, and like three were empty netters. Like like that should be noted exactly. Yeah. Like Sidney Crosby scored twice against Seattle, but one was an empty net. Yeah. It should be Uh, like, if you show shorthanded goals and game winning goals, for fuck's sake, you show game winning goals on NHL.com. Give us empty net goals. mm -hmm. It should be a stat. to Jason Botchford because he was definitely trying to champion that like the last season. Yeah. He would always respond to my Andrei Svechnikov for Calder things with like, Pedersen should get Calder because he doesn't have empty net goals. Wow, I must have said something actually smart if it's something that Jason Botchford <laughs> believed. That's that's a little cool way to end our little hockey talk. All right, my friends, that is our show. We end every episode with our favorite game. And it is time for Fuck, Mary Kill. And we're going to stay in the East because we were pretty West heavy there early on. Sarah, you are up first. Given the standings that we just talked about in the Metro, let's talk about the Atlantic and say... Fuck, Mary kill the three teams that are currently battling for the third seed in the Atlantic, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Detroit. Go. I'm marrying Toronto. They're going to make it happen. Like they are going to get in and this fake sense of urgency that's happening right now is part of the reason I am going to kill the lightning i'm so sorry but i've just seen enough like i just am over it i'm kind of bored i know they're not going to win the cup so it's like what are you doing here i am gonna fuck (laughs) the red wings because i do it's so interesting this team the trajectory of this team it's so up and down and like they look like i'm so confident that they're the best team ever a lot of the times when rhymer's not in that i'm sorry but i then Look at them, and I'm like, oh, this guy's washed up. This guy's not there yet. And it's like, it's so crazy how they have such variance with when they're good and when they're bad. It's so true. <laughs> Shayna, your choices, please. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll marry the Leafs. They're gonna do it. It's what they do in the playoffs is a different conversation mm-hmm. that we don't need to have right now, but they're gonna get there because they need to get there. We need it. We're all rooting for them right now because. The, like, would it be funny if they miss the drama? It would be hysterical. Don't get me wrong, but it'll be even better if they make it to round one and then we see what happens because last year was too good. The celebrations after winning with the how many Bud Lights, like, come on, that's the content I create. We want Florida. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Oh my God. There was too much. There was, it was too good. I can't not have that this year. I'll cry. Okay. I need the drama of the Oilers, the Canucks and the Leafs all in the playoffs at once. Like it will be insane. Um, I'm going to, Fuck the lightning and I will kill the Red Wings. And Andre Vasilevsky is the only reason I am doing this. He has mm. been average so far. 
but I it, like he came back from a fucking back injury. Like I, I I can't see you getting back to stride quickly, especially when your defense is as bad as it is. The Red Wings have the power to add at the deadline, and they could completely yeah. throw wrench in things for the Lightning and come ahead. But I feel like the way Kucherov's going right now, the way we know Point can go, if they can get a defenseman, just like one defenseman, just throw Chernak on long-term IR. A slice of rice. One one grain of rice for Victor (laughs) Hedman to take a little off his plate. Just knock Mm. one grain of rice off Victor Hedman's plate and look what will happen. I think that they'll have the edge because like Sarah said, the Red Wings look like the best team at, at moments. But the rest of the time, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what is happening here? And it's like, I want to be excited for them. And I get so hyped watching the games because when they win, like, it can be electric. But then you see other games and Jake Wallman's been struggling and you're like, oh, please. Like, I'm rooting for you to do something. I'm rooting for a new Atlantic team to shake things up. And they just simply won't do it. Wait a minute. So you fucked I will fuck the lightning. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I have to kill Detroit. All right. I oh, this is tough because I was very much on Sarah's train. Ooh. And then you convinced me with the Vasileski comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, I'm going to agree with Sarah. I think I'm going to agree with Sarah. Um, I'm going to marry Toronto. I'm going to fuck Detroit because I do think they're going to have more flexibility to do things. So they could make yeah. more moves to fix things than Tampa Bay. And even though Tampa Bay had a first round exit last year. I think that age is catching up with them a little bit too. And so there's an energy factor there. And I just, I feel like the door may be closing. They can still maybe be a happy wild card and, and, and be wild and, and fuck things up, but we'll see. Um, yes. Don't I'm be gonna wild. Nobody wants to be wild right now. Don't be the wild. You're not. Well, that's wild. true. RIP. Yes, that is true. The post new coach bump is over and we are now in the trough <laughs> of despair. So that's where we're at. Can I point out too, the Islanders and the Wild were the two teams I wrote about. Remember, I'm like, I fucking jinxed them and look at the Islanders popping off and look at the Wild. And everyone was so quick to jump on me. Like, oh, see, thanks. You gave us the reverse jinx. I think my my powers might be temporary. I think <laughs> someone in the universe wants to say fuck you to me the second I write something and like slap me in the face. But then they come, cr- I'm going to jinx them again. So if they turn around, you're welcome. But like, Look at what's happening now. And I just like, I'm like, yeah. Just for everyone that was so like sending me shit daily about the fucking Islanders in the wild. I'm like, oh, how's it feel? Right? Yeah. It's like a little moment of vindication. And like, you know what? I don't usually look for it. But this year, I don't know what's happening. Everyone I write about. Sarah, have you assessed your powers? Do you have powers? Or are you just reflecting on good teams and good players? I think... Shayna has the powers this year. Every mm. year, somebody has the vibes. But the Islanders fans, I will not let them scare me anymore. It sucks. They suck to watch. I don't like watching a team with a negative goal differential that's like egregious. And I don't like watching a team lose in overtime. I don't have to like you. I can have an opinion and look at you now. I will watch your third periods because that's the only yes. period you're going to play hockey. But the first 40 <laughs> minutes, I don't care. Oh, I will watch Noah Dobson. I will have an ISO cam on him. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. He, he was killing it. And then they even he had a bad streak. And I'm like, what? I was supposed to write about him being good. And then he got bad. And I'm like, well, that story's shit canned. <laughs> All right, my friends. We so appreciate you joining us for this episode that ran off the rails late, but it was so worth it. We're here for it. Um, if you would like to be part of Too Many Men, you can always connect with us online. We are on Instagram and the Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. We also have merch that you can purchase for yourself at too many men merch.com. Stickers, notebooks, hats, sweatshirts, tees, friend of the pod, bit news. All our brands are there for you to enjoy in any way you see fit. And we just ask that until we speak again, if you could please do something no matter how big or small to please make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.